We welcome you to the March 27th edition of the official Titans podcast. Yes, indeed, it is the OTP. My name is Mike Keith, joined as always by Amy Wells. Mike Keith, I appreciate you telling us what date it is because I have lost track of all space and time. I think a lot of people are in that same place right now, having to stop and think about what day of the week it is. And we're still in March. It's hard to believe March seems like it has gone on now for an eternity. And it seems like it's been an eternity since we had a chance to be joined by Coach Dave McGinnis of Titans Radio. Hello, sir. Mike Keith, Amy Wells. It's so good to hear you guys' voice again. I mean, this has been, uh, this is strange. Now I'm feeling better that I can talk to both of you. And we're also thrilled to be joined by Rhett Bryan from Titans Radio. Hello, Mike, Amy, Coach Mack. I'm with uh, Mack. It's it's good to hear other people uh, and hear their voices, and that uh, is certainly the case in this, and I'm just glad to be here. Rhett, you and Coach Mack have been continuing to study the draft since we last saw you. Anything jump out about this draft class, and I'll let Rhett go first, and Mack, you can go second. Anything more really jump out to you about this draft class since we last spoke? I think the biggest thing out of this is it continues to show the strengths and the weaknesses of this draft by position, and that varies year to year. We went through all the wide receivers, the rest of them yesterday that were at the Combine. It's an extraordinary wide receiver class. Cornerback depth is good in this. Uh, and, and there's some of the other places that's not, if you're in the you know need for a, an inside linebacker, not a great year for that after the first three or four guys. Uh, tackles drop off after the first handful of guys. Uh, interior defensive linemen still pretty decent. Um, but just it, we've seen what we thought in this as we've dug through day three and even undrafted free agent prospects. Yeah, Mike, to piggyback on that a little bit, and Amy, you know, once you start digging as deep as what we are digging now, you know, what what we're, what, what we're doing, we're compiling all the notes that I made, you know, when I watched all of the workouts up there. And then, again, I mean, I, I talk to a lot of people, and, and we, we compare a lot of notes. And what we're looking at now, now, our, our being able to watch film has been a little bit strained now just because of the situation that we are in. But what we are able to do is pull together a lot of information on these guys from a lot of different areas, kind of mesh them with what I think and then with what, you know, Rhett thinks about him. We're covering a lot of ground. You talk about this draft. I agree with what Rhett said. It reinforces the fact there are corners in this draft. There are offensive tackles in this draft. And there are wide receivers in this draft that you're going to be able to get with various picks. All right, Amy Wells, we have compiled OTPQs. People are like we are. They're stuck. They are thinking about football right now, and they're thinking about the Titans right now. They have submitted their questions. How? TitansOnline.com slash O-T-P-Q. You have compiled the list, and so I will turn it over to you to let you ask the questions, and uh, we will chime in as we see fit. So go right ahead. All right, you guys. These are uh, some of the 
the top questions that we've received, there are tons more. So keep sending in your questions to titansonline.com slash OTPQ. But let's get started. And I want to start with Ernie from Memphis, Tennessee. He asks, if there are no OTAs in mini camps this spring, or if it's adjusted, I'll throw in there, do you think that that will make it harder for rookies to get on the field right away this fall? Coach Mack, you might be able to speak to that. Well, yeah, and, and it's, a, it's a real question because at this point, I mean, it, it's not – we have no idea what the end line is for this as far as when everybody can get back together and get back to a real normal. This issue is something that, that is going to be very, very prevalent. And here's, here's the point about this issue. What is this is going to entail? And we all know, we've all witnessed and seen how even in the normal times when a rookie misses – OTAs or he misses training camp, how far behind he is once the season starts. Now, if everybody is in the same situation, then everybody will be dealing with the same issues, but it definitely will. And what is going to have to happen, the more tech savvy uh, clubs, which everybody is because everybody's got really good IT departments and and the, the Titans are right at that top of that list with the with the coaches and with what's going on you know technology wise with the titans you're going to be able to as a coach you will be doing a lot of what we're doing right now and you'll be doing a lot of teaching on the board you'll be doing a lot of things that aren't hands-on it's going to make a difference the other thing that's going to be a plus guys and think about this if your staff has been together and most of your the, your team is coming back i'm going to use the titans as a as an example with their offense coming back intact with the same staff with the same coordinator you're going to be ahead of people that are having to put those elements together just like the titans defense will be intact and you're and and with with mike Vrabel still at the head of this thing so all of these elements are going to play into it but we are all in different territories right now as coaches and as front office people as far as to what's going to happen once your players have been chosen so some of these teams that are making the big changes right now, whether it be at the quarterback position or with new head coaches, might be at a disadvantage this offseason. Yeah, I think so, Amy. I mean, especially, especially new staffs. Especially new staffs are together because there are so many things that you have to reach and get your arms around as a new staff. Not only with learning your players and just learning your building, but, uh, but then learning your staff. It's going to make a difference. All right, this next question is from... Matthew from Colgate. If the Titans can't get Logan Ryan to come back, is there a chance that they try and fill his role with Amani Hooker? Rhett, do you have any insight into that? I think that uh, Amani Hooker could probably work towards that. I think he's better suited in that big nickel package that we saw all last year where he's the third nickel coming in there with with uh, Kevin Byard and with Kenny Vaccaro. Uh, and again, this is a place where they could actually address this in the draft because it's a good draft for cornerbacks, uh, particularly nickel inside and outside physical corners. Uh, that's something that we have discovered in our further uh, fact finding in this. Uh, and we've been working on cornerbacks this morning as a, as a, uh, before we recorded this uh, OTP. And uh, you could always go that route. Now, I don't know. I haven't looked at the list of available free agents left. Uh, but yeah, that, that could be an option if they wanted to try to do that in-house, but I think they would be probably better off if they went and got a corner in the draft. Yeah, I agree with Rhett. I mean, I, I think so. Imani Hooker is a very valuable piece. 
I mean, that position that 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 you know your your nickel position in the National Football League that's that's a starting cornerback position. It really is because you're in sub package so much of a percentage of the time. It's a little bit different. A Monty Hooker could drop down in there again in altered packages some, but I, I agree with what Red is saying. You know, if Logan Ryan is not back, there are people in the draft that you can address this with, and uh, that will probably be the direction that they go now. Something that may hold that back just a little bit is going back to just our previous conversation about the amount of time you have to teach what's going on down there. Here's another question from Jason from Columbia Mo. Whoop, whoop. Shout out to my hometown. <laughs> what is all the fuss about Jadavian Clowney? He wants to set the market for the position, but he has not had over nine and a half sacks in any year in the league and is injury prone. There are several sites saying that the Titans are interested in him. What am I missing? First of all, don't get it twisted that sacks are the only thing that Jadavion Clowney is about because that's really not that's really not his strength. What his strength is, he is a, a constant disruptor up and down the line of scrimmage. He played every position across that defensive front in Houston when Mike Vrabel was the defensive coordinator down there. Throughout his career, he's never going to be, hasn't been, will not be a big bendy edge of the of the line of scrimmage rush guy. But he has got he has got some real power skills and he's got some real disruptive skills. And when you have a piece like Jadavian Clowney, what he does is the guys that are skimming the edge, those people that are being able to, to, to come free, he creates a lot of one-on-ones because he causes issues at the center guard triangle. If you do put him on the outside, he's going to be a big power person on the outside. And then he can make plays in the run game. So don't just think when you talk about Jadavian Clowney coming into this to this defense, if he should happen to do that, that he's just here for the sacks. He's much more than that when he's healthy. Well, and Coach Mack's right because uh, the explosiveness and power as a disruptor is what you're looking at with a Jadavian Clowney. And you rewind all the way back to that outback bowl against Michigan where he made that huge play that opened everyone's eyes. Uh, and then you started seeing the measurables from him in regards to that. I mean, let's not forget, he was a very, very high draft pick the year he came out. And yes, while Jason in Columbia, Missouri is right that he has had some injuries in his career, it's the production that he gets as a disruptor in this thing. And, you know, the, the lines that everybody's drawing, Jason, for your OTPQ is that, you know, obviously Coach Mike Vrabel was the defensive coordinator. Uh, in one of the best years stat-wise for a Jadavian Clowney. So you can draw a line there. And, you know, the the athletic prowess that he would bring to a front that already has Jeff Simmons and all these other guys in it, uh, he he would be something that might help, you know, the Titans' defense get over the top in this. Uh, And, you know, everyone out there that's been impatient as far as waiting to see what's happening, you know, with everything going on with the coronavirus and COVID-19, that's kind of tabled all these things in terms of a physical and some of the negotiations in this, uh, regardless of whatever number he's seeking. The other thing I'll add to, to Clowney that I, you guys have hit most of it, he's big. He's really big. And to add a 270, 275-pound guy that can really run and that you have to account for, uh, that's a big factor. The Titans reportedly <coughs> added Vic Beasley. I don't think that's official yet, is it, guys? Anyone? Anyone? Uh-uh. Not yet. Not yet. Well, Vic Beasley's 245 pounds. 
you know, Harold Landry is 252 pounds. This is a guy who's 270, 275 and can really run. You could have all three of those guys on the field at the exact same time if you chose to do it. So, I, you know, I don't know what happens with Clowney. I think most of the speculation revolves around him still going back to Seattle at this point. But I think anybody who could afford him could figure out a place to play him in a defense because he is a he is a special, special talent that really does not fit into any specific sort of box. He can fit in anywhere in anybody's defense. You'd find a way to get him on the field. All right, Peter from Colorado Springs asks, we traded our Pro Bowl defensive lineman, Jarrell Casey, for a seventh-round pick. That doesn't seem like a good trade for the Titans. Was this a cap issue? Now, Mike, we addressed this a little bit on last week's edition of the OTP, but it seems worth revisiting why the Titans made this trade. Sure. The Titans traded Jarrell Casey and his salary for a seventh-round pick. They traded a player who, quite frankly, they see playing the same position if they run the scheme they want to run. He plays the same position as Jeffrey Simmons. They're going to play Jeffrey Simmons. That's what it came down to. And so because they don't want to take snaps away from him, because even though Casey played the end position in the 3-4 to get them both on the field, it's not what he does best. And Casey has a massive number. So the, the reason that you only got a seven for him is because somebody had to be willing to take on the contract. And what that tells you is there wasn't a massive market of people ready to take on the contract. The Titans are going to take that room and they're going to add a piece or two pieces or three pieces or whatever and try to accentuate the rest of the roster in a way that better uses that money. What they saw was very simple. We have two outstanding guys. We have a 30-year-old guy and we have a 22-year-old guy who's ready to play. We're going to play. They're going to play Jeffrey Simmons. And so at this point, they said, okay, we, we're going to make a move here. Let's find somebody willing to give us something for this player, who's still a good player, but the salary and taking on the three remaining years of the salary was the big deal. That's why the Titans only got a seven for a guy who's been such a good player. And again, the reason they wanted to move him is, yes, they wanted the salary cap room, but they also have the young player who's ready to get on the field. And Coach Mack just talked about Jadevian Clowney and the plays that he makes that don't show up in the stats. Think about the interception that Jeffrey Simmons caused early in the Baltimore playoff game. He gets in, he's got his hands up in Jackson's face, he throws the pick that Byard ends up taking back that turns the game around right away. What, is, what does Simmons get there? A quarterback pressure maybe? And you say, well, so what? Well, that's a play this young player causes because he's a great athlete, he's long, he's a disruptor. Those are the types of guys that you've got to get on the field. The Titans can't have Jeffrey Simmons playing 25 snaps. They, I mean, they just can't. They've got to get that guy on the field more. And so that was the, the rationale behind all of it. It's, it's not that Casey can't play. It's not that the Titans desperately needed the cap room. It's that the Titans said it's time. And that's a hard thing. And it, it's, a, it's a hard thing for everybody. I get it. 
But in doing so, it opens the door for Big Jeff to take over that role. I mean, that, 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 that hits it so well. And that's 100% true. And this all goes into the business of the National Football League. I've made these types of decisions before, too. And, and, and if you're a good organization and you're looking at things not only in the present, but also you are looking at things as they, as they continue to grow down the road, you have to make these types of decisions. And the good organizations are able to recognize the time. Recognize the time. And that's and Mike Keith said it so very, very well. Now, does anybody like it? Because no, everybody, you get personally attached. But again, the business and the timing of this business is what you've got to be able to have your finger on. And, and to hit it, and I'll give Red a chance to comment on this, the fact that John Robinson will make the decisions. And, and that's, a, that's a key in all of this because a lot of people just want to sit back and let nature take its course. But in making a decision, he opens the door for another personnel move. And listen, with, with Austin Johnson reportedly leaving this week, the Titans are going to need help on the defensive line. There's some veterans out there. It's a good draft in terms of defensive linemen. They can find the parts. But when you make these decisions and move on, you focus on shaping your roster. You don't let things just happen to you, Rhett. No, that's exactly right, Mike, because uh, that, that's the part of John Robinson's duties as general manager that kind of people forget in this. And we have to remind uh, so many Titans fans and everyone that it, this is a business. And if you want your business model to continue to trend upward, you have to make difficult decisions from time to time. This would be one of those. This is a prime example of that. Uh, you know, just like he's shown the propensity to trade in the draft, he's Trader John, as you dubbed him so eloquently. Uh, he has to be able to make these tough decisions. And because he took a chance on a Jeffrey Simmons this time a year ago and who was playing probably at 70, 75% because of the short window of coming off of the pre-draft injury. Uh, he will be a hundred percent now and has so many, I mean, uh, coach Max said it repeatedly during these OTP draft episodes that he would be the, the pick of interior defensive linemen in this draft more than Derek Brown is going to be from Clemson, you know, yes, he has to make these decisions. Uh, and so he made a proactive one in this uh, to because he has a Jeffrey Simmons there as a stopgap. Here's an interesting question coming out of Italy. It says, hello, thank you for your great work keeping me updated on all Titans news. Since the approval of the new CBA, the NFL can move to a 17-game season. How do you think that will impact the way that schedules are made? Anybody have any insight on that? Well, uh, it's not it's not insight. First of all, uh, here's here's what is go is going to happen. Once it's not going to be this year. It'll be it'll be in the next season. But the schedule making anyway, guys, is a little bit of a wizard thing that they do when they put this thing together. I mean, it really <laughs> is. It really is. If you really know the guts of it, it's really kind of it's it's really kind of some magic that they do with it. It will be very interesting to see how they do slot it once they do decide to it. The, the good thing about it is, is they've got a whole year to get into their wizard room and figure it out. I think probably what you're going to end up seeing, at least from a start, you're going to say, okay, let's say it begins in 2023. 
then all of the extra games, it'll be an AFC team going to an NFC team. And then in 2024, it'll be an NFC team going to an AFC team. So the first year, and this is just hypothetical, the first year, all the NFC teams get the ninth home game. And the next year, all the AFC teams get the ninth home game. So that, that's one easy way to look at it that I've seen pitched out there that makes a lot of sense. Again, Coach Mack said it, nothing written in stone. I think the international element is one that could come into play as well based on what we see from the new TV deals. You know, is there, is there some sort of appetite to, to get that more overseas? And, and is there money coming from another stream that would indicate that more international games would make a lot of sense? I think they've got some flexibility. That's the wizard stuff I'm talking about. Mike would be a good <laughs> schedule-making wizard. Well, Mike, you've got some free time right now. Why don't you just start whipping something up? I've, yes, I'm the wizard, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a question from Anthony in Australia, and he says, Good day there. Good day. I think I did pretty well, right? <laughs> nice job, Amy Wells from Australia. I've been practicing. He says... I'm proudly one of your OT people. I've written a short piece on being a Titans fan on the other side of the world. It's titled Any Given Monday. Who can I send it to for a review? I'd be delighted to have it posted online. Guys, do you want to read this? I want to read it. Amy, you, you, yeah, sure. You're running this thing. Anthony in Australia, just tweet it to me. At Titans Amy, A-M-I-E. I'll read it. I'll pass along to Jim Wyatt. He'll read it. I want to hear what it's like being a fan in Australia. Yeah, tell Anthony not to go walk about to uh, just yet. Get him to go blow a froth off a couple there in the pub before he sends that to you via Twitter. <laughs> oh, I knew Rhett would rise to the occasion. Rhett's going to get a curbsided Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> good day. That's so I want to blow him an onion. <laughs> How about? Yes, indeed. Oh, man. Well, thank you, Anthony. We look forward to reading any given Monday. All right. Here's another one. This is Josh from Newmarket. He asked, do you guys think the Titans will draft an additional quarterback? If so, what round? That is a very, very interesting question. And it's a question that it has some merit to it, I would think. Now, when you start looking at this draft with quarterbacks, I mean, there's some guys early that have separated themselves, but there are some guys that have different flavors to them, depending on what's going on, you know, with your starting quarterback position, uh, that it, whatever your offensive coordinator and your quarterback coach and your head coach, and, and most clearly in this case, your general manager, think of some of the coachable, trainable, some of these guys have that aren't say the top tier guys in this draft. That would be very very interesting. I would never say no just because of knowing John Robinson and how forward thinking he is. Well, and dependent upon what he does in now wave two, wave three, wave four of free agency with the money he has to, to play with will help dictate some of those moves. Uh, but I, I agree with Coach Mack in, in uh, night two of the draft in rounds two and three, they'll be guys like Jake from from Georgia, Jacob Beeson from Washington, and, and the like. But right now, you currently need an interior defensive lineman because of what we've been talking about with the loss of a, 
uh, Austin Johnson and Jarrell Casey uh, with LaShawn Sims signing with the Bengals and no Logan Ryan right now. You could possibly need two corners in this draft, and we know that it's a good draft for those things. Uh, I would lean towards there, there would be a, a quarterback taken somewhere in the middle to late rounds, depending on sitting there, but it also depends on what he does right now moving forward and now the less than the month that we have to head to the draft. I think the Titans have too many needs, and I, I just don't see it. I, I think if they're going to take a quarterback, it's going to be a veteran that becomes available because of the shaking that is still to go on. Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, they're, they're going to be, and I'm not saying the Titans will end up with one of those guys. I'm saying where those guys end up will shake free somebody else. I think the only way the Titans select a quarterback in the draft will be in day two if there is somebody that they have a really high grade on that they don't feel like they can pass up. And you mentioned like a guy like Fromm. You, you know, there's some guys like that, that they may be at 61 or at 93, or if they drop back, who knows, that they just say, we can't pass up. But guys, they need defensive line help in terms of depth. You mentioned Rhett, cornerback depth overall. Uh, the, the defense needs some depth and needs some attention. Coach Mack hit it early. If we had a game this Sunday, the offense is ready to play. The offense is all back. But, th- but there needs to be an infusion on defense, particularly in the front end and the back end. So I, don't, I think if, you've, if you're thinking about a developmental guy, I think you've already got him in Logan Woodside. If you're thinking about a veteran, maybe yes. Or if you're thinking about a guy who could potentially be your long-term future, you might be thinking about day two. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's – to answer his question – I think it's unlikely they go quarterback in this draft. And I think that, that that scenario to me is exactly right. And going with what Mike said, the only reason I could see it is if, as I said, there is somebody that they just think, you know what, this is, we've got to have this guy. But more, more likely than not, uh, it, it's true. There's a lot of other pieces that you need to add right now out of this draft. Here's my final question from the OT people. Submitted at titansonline.com slash O-T-P-Q. It is Tim from Springfield, Missouri. And he asks, can you guys explain the process of how teams are awarded compensatory pay and what part of the year they're awarded? Who can kind of explain that process? Let me just say this. If I, I, hopefully you're listening to all of this OTP for the OT people. And understand, understand, understand this when you hear this. That wizard thing that I talked about with the schedule, there's even more wizardry with the compensatory picks. It is such a convoluted, it's such a convoluted formula, I cannot explain it. Even when I was deep into coaching and was deep involved in it, I couldn't explain it. And here's the other thing. When you call the league office, they can't explain it to you either. Okay? So it, it, it is, it is I, I promise you, it is like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. It really is. <laughs> Basics of it, and that's all I can give you. Because Coach Mack is 100% right. So there are 32 compensatory picks. And they're awarded based on a team's players lost in free agency and a team's players gained in free agency. So you've got sort of a plus-minus ratio there. 
The picks are between the third and the seventh round, and they're determined by a formula that involves the following things. Average annual salary, playing time, and postseason honors. Salary is obviously the biggest factor in all of that. But the bottom line is it's a formula based on those things. Like for uh, Jack Conklin's departure, well, you know, that's in terms of the Titans' loss there, that goes well towards what they're going to be able to do getting a compensatory pick. Now, Marcus Mariota has signed as a free agent. He was obviously a big salary player, Jack Conklin. Austin Johnson, uh, reportedly. Tajay Sharp, reportedly. LaShawn Sims, reportedly. The guys that you cut don't count. The guys that you trade don't count. It's the free agent you lose to the free agent you sign. And if you come out on the minus end of that, then you end up with compensatory picks. That's how the Patriots do it every single year. And the Baltimore Ravens. And to my point with the, with the jigsaw puzzle, you bring the money into it. It also, the money that if you acquire free agents, it's also the money that you pay them that mm-hmm. offsets what you've lost. There's, there are a lot of pieces to it, but that's a pretty good nutshell there, Mike. And again, you can take that and then you can, you can try to figure it out yourself and you'll be wrong every time. Every time, yes. Well, it seems like there's an element of kind of some arbitrary factors figuring out who makes an impact and that kind of thing. So it seems, I guess, to Max's point about how no one really knows what it is, it still seems like there's a level of kind of just opinion in that formula, correct? Well, but see how they do through the course of the season. That's why the compensatories for next year – you can, like, you can project the compensatories based on what happens now, Amy, but a lot of it is based on what they do during the course of next season, and then it's laid out in late February, generally at the Combine. The Titans, as it stands right now, would figure to be in line for compensatory picks for the first time in what, Red? Five years? Yeah, it would be at least that long, and uh, yeah, they, sh- they should be in line for, for some this time around. Although I'm not so sure with the way Coach Mack set it up with the wizardry. I'm, he's now has me convinced that Albus Dumbledore has uh, retired from Hogwarts and is now working on Park <laughs> Avenue for, uh, for the NFL with the wizardry. Let, let me just say this about the compensatories, though, and a big change they made in the compensatories, which does make a difference, guys. The, you can now trade compensatory picks. That's huge. Because used to be you could not trade compensatory picks. So if you got them, you know you were just you were ma- you were making a pick, but you couldn't trade them. Now that you can trade compensatory picks, it becomes a little bit more valuable and a little bit more interesting. And if you look at it to follow Coach's point, a lot of the trades that are made, there are now more trades made because teams feel like they've just gotten that bonus money, and so they say, hey. We'd like a, an extra defensive back. We'll trade that compensatory five to a team who wants an extra pick to be able to get a defensive back. You know, people, by being willing to part with them, you know, we're seeing more and more trades go on around the National Football League right now. It kind of uh, kind of livens up the offseason, if you will, even more. Yeah, and when, when they changed that three or four years ago, it took something that was nice to have because you've lost some guys. Uh, but it becomes a truly uh, top-level 
um, commodity and and a draft uh, chip, if you will, because you can trade it. Let me just say, and we're going down a pretty deep rabbit hole on the compensatories, but I like this part of it because it's info that you won't get anywhere else. The other thing about the compensatories now is it changes that that graph and that value formula that you that most teams use during the draft. Everybody's got a little bit of different of that chart, but once those things become tradable, that changes your chart. All right, so let me run through here. You're through with the OTPQs, correct, Amy Wells? The OT people have spoken. All right, tell them how they can continue to submit these questions, which we will continue to take. We call them the OTPQs. Titansonline.com slash OTPQ. All right. Thank you, Amy. Mm -hmm. Let me run through just to, to briefly update. These are players that have departed the Titans so far in this offseason. Jarrell Casey, Marcus Mariota, Jack Conklin, reportedly Austin Johnson, Tajay Sharp, LaShawn Sims, Deion Lewis, Delaney Walker, Cameron Wake, Ryan Suckup. So that's a pretty hearty list. And Following along with what John Robinson told us, there would be more departures than in years past. There certainly are. Re-signed with the team, Chris Milton, Anthony Ferkser, Cameron Batson, Dennis Kelly, Reggie Gilbert, and Coach Mack, Michael Pruitt. Uh, Michael Pruitt and Ferkser added with Jonu Smith means the Titans' three top tight ends are back. Berkser's the pass catcher, and, and his deal wasn't complicated because he was not an unrestricted free agent. But Pruitt is a guy that they made a move, a strong move to keep. Why was keeping Pruitt a big deal in this offense? Because he's a, he's a very, very good complimentary piece. When you're talking about players like this, and you, you made a great point, you know, when you were talking earlier, uh, you know, about Simmons making a play that caused an interception that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle in stats. When you start going through games and you start going back and looking at, and everybody's familiar with the axiom that it, there's only four or five plays in a game for each team that really kind of switches it for you. When you go back and start looking at some of the contributions that a Ferkser or a Pruitt has made during the course of the game that may not jump out to you as being an elaborate play, but it might have been something that extended a drive that ended up in a touchdown, or it might have been a block on the edge that turned a three-yard run into a 37-yard run that puts you in field goal range. All of these things are important. This is the belly of your football team. Guys, all of us right now, we could go right now and pick out in this draft who the best at each position is. We could do that. That's easy to discern. But what is the, what is the, the part of it that becomes that separates teams in this league is who can discern and find those pieces to the belly of your football team and then find a fit for them in what you are doing and then get that contribution. It might be two or three games that they make one or two plays, but as close as this league is, that's important. These, these two guys are viable contributors. <clears throat> they know the offense, and they both will play a part in this. It was huge to get them both back in my opinion. In terms of what they brought back in of their own, I love the move to get back Ferkser and Pruitt. I like the Cam Batson move to get him back for a year deal. Reggie Gilbert, the same. But the one I'm the most excited about, I think, is probably Chris Milton on special teams, who when he was healthy and he battled an ankle throughout the year, 
that eventually shut him down. But that guy made a difference on special teams that cannot be uh, undervalued at this point. And I really like him coming back. Well, and you make the point about what an outstanding teamer he is. They add another one this week from the Chargers in Nick DeZubner, a, a guy who has been a tremendous kick coverage guy for San Diego, for Los Angeles, uh, a, a guy who has, has given them something special. You put he and Milton together, and you've got two disruptive forces largely covering punch. You don't cover as many kickoffs as you once did, but certainly covering punch. These guys awfully good. Just piggyback on that point. And, and here's, here's again, this is where you have to have vision and you have to know your team, which, you know, clearly John Robinson does. We have got the best field position punter in the national football league. And that is such a weapon. It's a defensive weapon. It's an offensive weapon, but for it to be the weapon for all of those placement kicks that he made, that he makes, you have to have people that can get off and can get down there and can down them or can make those tackles in those favorable field positions. That's why you don't just say, well, we've got a great punter. We'll just let him bang it down there and then, you know, it'll be fine. No, it's just a part, a piece of it. Placement kicks, pooch punts, all of those things, everything that Brett Kern does is just the beginning of the play. You also have to have those dudes that can put the exclamation point and finish the play. That's a big part of this. Amy, how good was Brett Kern on the OTP that we aired earlier this week? Holy smokes. I mean, Brett Kern continues to get better year after year. He just becomes more effective, and he's just such a nice guy. He's so happy to be doing what he's doing. He takes his job so seriously. His obsession with charting things kind of freaks me out. Like, But whatever it takes to be good at your job, I respect it. I could never have the amount of dedication and the attention to detail that he has about things that seem like such minutia, but are the reason that he is a Pro Bowler year after year after year. Listen to it. Uh, the OTP with Brett Kern came out earlier this week. Uh, mentioned the Titans have signed Nick DeZubnar, who is a, a kick coverage linebacker from the Chargers. They also add Ty Sambrello, an offensive lineman originally drafted by Denver, has spent the last three years with the Falcons. Amy, you and I were discussing it earlier this week uh, with Jim Wyatt via email, the lack of veteran depth in the offensive line. And then the next day, Zambrello is signed and, and so you wonder, can he be the new Dennis Kelly if Dennis Kelly is the starting right tackle? I think that's what John Robinson is hoping for. I think he's hoping to have that person who can kind of play in a bunch of different spots and fill in the way that Dennis Kelly has for this team the last few years if Dennis Kelly ends up taking that right tackle spot. We'll see what happens. Training camp is going to be a time where we kind of – see them play with this offensive line as we do every single year. You see guys working at different positions and hopefully coming out with a gelled line. But it seems to me that that would make the most sense in that he is the new Dennis Kelly. I'm going to keep going to this word, and I'm going to be saying it from the 90 all the way back down to until we cut down to the active roster. These are belly of your football team pieces. I want to stay with offensive tackle for a second. Almost every mock draft I have seen recently has been the Titans taking 
an offensive tackle. I know some fans have reached out to me and they've said, do you really think we're going to take an offensive tackle? Rhett, why does an offensive tackle make sense for the Tennessee Titans at 29? And how logical do you think it is they do that? It makes sense in the fact that, you know, you've lost, uh, and this is no, no, no disservice or discredit to, to Dennis Kelly, who I'm glad is re-signed and is currently the starting right tackle for the Titans, uh, who has done very well in his time here. But you've lost a top caliber right tackle bookend in, in Jack Conklin, and there are some guys at 29 that would be there that would be attractive. One of those would be uh, a Josh Jones, the tackle from Houston, or Ezra Cleveland, the tackle from Boise State, who is athletic and probably needs to put on some bulk, but is athletic enough, lined up into some tight end formations at Boise State. Uh, and if somebody slips, uh, you know, if a, a, uh, somebody like an Andrew Thomas were to slip there, because he's in that top tier of tackles, uh, you know, maybe that's somebody you just can't pass up because Andrew Thomas. His strength is in run blocking, which is, as we well know, is, is a Derrick Henry show and, uh, with the tight, Titans here at, in, on this OTP and in Titans land. Uh, so I, I would think that you would want to shore up the bookend side of this thing, though Dennis Kelly's going to do that for you if you have a chance to get, bring a young guy because this is the whole youth movement thing that we've been talking about with John Robinson getting the roster younger. That would be another reason why you might do this. You always reinforce your positions through the draft. And every year, the, the positions that you look to reinforce during the draft, unless somebody just falls to you that's out of position, but he's a talent that you can't pass up, you always want to do this. And to me, this is a prime uh, a time. It's a great marriage of a time to reinforce it. And it's a time to reinforce it in a draft that has quality people you know, throughout this draft. And with the way John Robinson and his staff evaluate people and what they know uh, about their, their people and what they know what they, and what their coaches want to do. And it's always important to remember this too, guys. You always draft to your coach's ability to develop the talent. And to me, we've got excellent coaches on this staff and a young offensive tackle makes sense because he doesn't have to be an immediate starter, but sooner or later, you always are trying to find really solid big men because this is still a big man's game on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Well, and you look at what Keith Carter and Mike Sullivan, the two offensive line coaches, did last year with Nate Davis, Coach Mack, and his progress throughout the year. Struggled a lot early. They felt like they had to stick him in there because – he, they knew he was going to be the guy, but by the playoffs, Nate Davis was doing some awfully good things for the Titans. Mike, that's, a, and that's just to my point. That's where you draft to your coach's ability to develop. And, and Nate Davis is a great case in point for a lot of things we talked about at the opening of this OTP, about how it's going to impact young players coming in, not having that early time. Some of the reasons that it took Nate Davis a while to get up to speed was he wasn't available during those right. developmental times. But if your coaches can get them up to speed, our two offensive line coaches, excellent, excellent teachers. They got him up to speed. And so that's what you draft to. It's good stuff. Amy Wells, you've got to get back with Coach Mack and Rhett very soon and start doing these position previews because 
we're going to have an NFL draft April 23 through 25. Oh, you just don't worry about it, Mike Keith. We've got things scheduled. We are ready to go. We're going to hit the ground running, wrap up some of those position previews with the old draft duo. All right. That's good. Now, now, Coach Mack, one more question before we let you go. The NFL has made it clear. Roger Goodell let teams know last night they are not moving the draft back. Why is it important for the league to keep the draft April 23 through 25? Everything about the, everything about the league is staying on schedule, Mike. And again, I've been in this thing long enough. I have been through two work stoppages. You know, I've seen issues that, that come up the, before that you always wonder, well, how, what kind of adjustments are we going to make? You don't make adjustments that, that keep you off schedule. And that's exactly why we are staying on schedule with this. Now, it's going to be a little bit different for everybody, sure, but everybody's under the same rules. The other thing that happens is, is we really don't know what the end timeline is going to be with the, with the situation that we are in now, not only in Tennessee, but worldwide. So if you've got an event that you can stay on schedule with, you have to alter it massively, but you can still stay on schedule with so that you don't impact anything else down the line when you don't know what the final timeline is for all the other events that are coming up. That's why they're doing it. Interesting. Great insight. Dave McGinnis, thank you. Red Bryan, thank you so much. Amy Wells, thank you. Also, thank you to Brian Myers and Ashley Farrell for making this happen. But most of all, uh, thank you to uh, our listeners of the OTP. Thank you for the questions. Amy Wells, one more time, tell them how they could submit their questions for us. Titansonline.com slash O-T-P-Q. O-T-P-Q. We hope you'll join us for the next edition of the OTP. We are going to keep bringing you these. We hope you're enjoying them. Thank you for the outstanding feedback that you've been giving us on what we've been able to do. Uh, not only through this podcast, but through our entire team with the Titans. Uh, very proud of the things that our entire unit has been able to do during this certainly challenging time. We're trying to keep you plugged in with this ball club and maybe uh, take your mind off some of the real world a little bit and let you enjoy uh, a little bit of NFL football uh, just briefly in the month of March as we're moving toward the month of April. And now my dog's coming in here to start a fight, so it's time for me to go. <laughs> for Coach Mac, for Rhett, for Amy, I'm Mike Keith. Thank you for listening to the OTP. OTP.